I can't remember the history of Father's Day in this country, but a, a day set aside to honor the fifth commandment. Honor your fathers and your mother, mothers. So somewhere along the way, historically, uh, a day was chosen to focus on the uh, essential uh, and um, the uh, foundational role of fathers in society. In fact, the church teaches that the family is the first cell of a civilization of love, and that the family is the first church, and the parents are the first pastors of their children. In fact, the first face, voice, and touch of God for a child. And so rightfully, as a society, we've chosen to honor mothers and fathers because we have this innate knowledge of the essentiality, not only of parents biologically, but more importantly, spiritually, socially, and emotionally, as we develop uh, across the span of life, we are reliant on the formation we receive as children. And this is true for biological children, adopted children, foster children, children cared for in community. In my family, the story of my Uncle Abraham was told again and again and again. As a child, you're tired of it. But as I grew and matured, I recognized the necessity of rehearsing that story again and again. Uncle Abraham was the patriarch of the clan. He was the owner of the family business, uh, Regal Men's and Boys Wear, uh, a uh, clothing line uh, from uh, Manhattan. Would you expect anything else from a Jewish family? And uh, my brother and I, my twin brother Rob and I, had a line of clothing named after ourselves uh, when we were little P&R. Uh, was the boys, the little boys' clothing line. And uh, the first store, as a matter of fact, opened in York in 1941. And uh, the next store that my father took was in uh, Shemokin Dam, and then up to Buffalo and down the uh, Atlantic coast. The story of Uncle 
Abraham was uh, that when he was four years old, the Cossacks, who were the paramilitary marauders who did their bidding at the behest of the Tsar, uh, had plundered the shtetl, the Jewish village that my uncle uh, was born into. And uh, among other atrocities, they took Uncle, we called him Uncle Al, his name is Abraham Levin of blessed memory, and uh, they took Uncle Al hostage at uh, four years old, and they held him for ransom. The shtetl, the Jewish community, had to raise the money to pay for Uncle Al's life, or he would have been murdered. And uh, so they put together in their poverty, their abysmal poverty, uh, the money to ransom Uncle Al's life, and that was, to mix metaphors, the straw that broke the camel's back, and the family realized they needed to leave the western pale of Russia that was such a place of poverty, suffering, exclusion, prejudice, and they began to make their way out of Russia. Now, at that time, uh, Jews in Russia were considered property of the Tsar, so there was no releasing them across borders. Instead, they had to steal their way through begging, borrowing, uh, and bribing. And they were able to put their children on boats. Their children, not the parents. Uh, The children went alone. Uh, My uncle Abraham, at 10 years old, was put on a ship and sent to uh, London, to England, uh, where they met with tremendous resentment, resistance, and uh, prejudice. And so they were in a hostile, unwelcoming environment in England, and they were told the best thing to do is move on to America. Uh, You've seen Fiddler on the Roof? It's my family's story. Not literally, but literally. And uh, you've seen... um, What's the Spielberg... uh, uh, animated uh, the mice. What is it? Fievel? Yeah, you know what the the movie. Same story. And uh, they left England again and to New York. Why? Because America was the receiving, hospitable, welcoming, integrating uh, country and uh, joined virtually hundreds of thousands of refugees fleeing the western pale of Russia and Eastern Europe at that time, 1908. 1908, 110 years ago. 
So we're now facing a crisis in our country again with refugees who are fleeing the violence, poverty, deprivations uh, of uh, particularly Central and uh, South America. And uh, there on the border we have the current crisis and that has erupted over the detention of parents separated from their infants and their children. And so uh, on the 13th, um, the U.S. bishops through Cardinal DiNardo uh, denounced this action being taken by federal authorities to separate parents and children and to, uh, to detain the parents while uh, the children are uh, herded in mass into facilities uh, apart from their parents, even their infant uh, children. And uh, why have the bishops taken this position? Because we return to the fundamental teaching of the church, which is that the family unit regardless of their circumstances or their status, is the first cell of a civilization of love. Those of us who have children and grandchildren, those of us who have raised children, know that the family unit is the place of experimentation where you learn to give of yourself for the good of others. You learn how to share. I know that's a really tough lesson uh, in life, how to share with another, how to be concerned for another and their circumstance. And the family unit is the place where all of that learning and formation takes place. The church as a whole only reinforces and strengthens that, but can never replace it because the family is the first church. I'll take her. <laughs> you don't have to go out, Dad. You can walk around the perimeter or sometimes they're quieter if I take them in my arms for a little bit. So, um, so for this reason... This action is a terrible affront uh, to that family and to the effort to build up a civilization of love and of care. Cardinal DiNardo said that the, the asylum these families are seeking is itself, at its core, an effort to preserve and protect the right to life. It begins with the respect for the integrity of the family. And so we have this crisis before us. We have to overcome the politicization of this uh, because this is not the fault of one political party or the other or of one administration or the other. 
When I was at the American Center for Law and Justice as executive vice president, a public interest law firm defending pro-life, pro-family, and religious liberty cases in the uh, appellate and Supreme Court, we had seven cases of Chinese refugees fleeing the one-child policy, forced abortion in China. And the then Clinton administration Justice Department separated infants and children from their parents while they placed their parents in state prisons and put the children in foster care, sometimes separating them by states, parents in one state, infant children, including newborns, born in the process. The infant newborn neonates were taken away from the mother and put into foster care while the mother was sent to uh, state prison. And it was Pope St. John Paul who finally intervened. I don't mean finally, he was appealed to from the beginning, but his was the final effort that after uh, two years of suffering for these refugee families, he was able to persuade or inspire the first lady of Costa Rica, who was Jewish, her husband, the president, a Catholic, to intervene, and they took our families. And those families, those children, have grown up in Costa Rica and are adults today together with their families. So this is not the fault of one party or another one administration or another. It's a failure to see the integrity of the family. The family as the first cell of a civilization of love and the first church uh, in which a child's formation as a human person, as a family person, as a child of God takes place. And so the bishops have asked us to pray and to work for a swift end to this offense to the family and to bring parents and grandparents and children and infants back together again. And I can't think of a more appropriate project on Father's Day than to pray in such a way, recognizing that God has given to all of us his paternal love and care, and we must return that by sharing that same paternal love and care with one another.